you're listening to a Mash Those Buttons limited series. Visit us at mashthosebuttons.com. On this episode, we continue our journey to capture Aether, enter the capital of the Tanakh, and meet Chief Ikaro. Welcome to episode 54 of Lightkeeper Protocol. Welcome to Lightkeeper Protocol, a podcast about our journey through Horizon Zero Dawn and Horizon Forbidden West. I am Jarrett, but you can call me Ja, and I am here with Christina, also known as Pop-Tart. Hello! Yes, I'd like to welcome any new listeners as well as any returning listeners. Thank you guys very much for taking the time to check out Lightkeeper Protocol. And we'd love to hear what you have to say about the show and about the game, so please join us on our Discord at mash.gg slash Discord, where we do have channels dedicated to... Well, I was going to say both games, but it's really just one channel. It's dedicated to Horizon, okay? <laughs> but uh, what did we talk about last time? Well, we, we finished up that side quest chain in, uh, in the Desert Clan territory. So depending on how you went about it, there's either a new leader uh, of the Desert Clan or there is one less contender. <laughs> so either way, you got some gear for it. But now that that is done, we're finally going to continue on our path to the main mission, uh, one of the main missions, because there are three now. So the Broken Sky is the one we're going to focus on first. We are trying to capture a third, just in case you need a reminder. Guy gave us the coordinates of three of the subordinate functions that we need. The closest and the lowest level one is Aether. Uh, in the somewhere in the Tanakh territory, and that is where we're going. So, uh, before we get started, let's just listen to that scenario, and then we'll we'll talk about it. Aloy follows Gaia's coordinates and reaches Aether's location. Unfortunately, it's also the location of the Tanakh capital, the Memorial Grove. Aloy is greeted by Decca, chaplain of the Lowland Clan. Aloy's reputation precedes her and Decca asks if she's there to see Chief Hikaru. Aloy says she isn't, but Decca politely tells her she'll see the Chief anyway, as he wants to see her. Decca guides Aloy through the grove, heading to the throne room, but also taking time to explain the holograms that helped shape the guiding principles of the Tanakh. Once they reach the throne room, Decca leaves Aloy to get Hikaru. Aloy uses the opportunity to scan the area with her focus and finds a chamber beneath the throne room where Aether likely is hiding. When Decca returns, one of the marshals, Hitalo, is with her. He quickly passes Aloy by, only saying that he'll see her soon. Hikaru comes out immediately after that, noting Aloy's victory against Gruta, calling it impressive. Hikaru is looking for Aloy's help in defeating Regala, but Aloy says she is not a hired killer and is there to save more lives than he can count. She tells him that she needs access to the basement. Hikaru says that if she wants access to that chamber, she will have to help him. Aloy agrees to listen, and Hikaru sets the terms. First, she will help defend the culvert, a ritual that qualifies warriors to become marshals. Second, 
she will go north to the Sky Clan and force their commander to send his contestants to the culvert, as he is currently holding out. With no other choice, Aloy agrees to help Hikaru and heads north to the Sky Clan. Alright, so, you know, Aloy, she follows Guy's coordinates to get Aether and eventually runs into a ruin uh, that used to, well, it was a ruin, and well, I guess technically speaking, it still is a ruin, but it's been turned into a Tanakh stronghold. And she's a bit surprised to see this, and she, I think she even says something about, like, oh, it's going to be difficult to get Aether with all these Tanakh soldiers, so I don't know if she's thinking she's going to try to, like, stealth her way in there or fight her way in there or something, but... That's going to be a bad idea because this place is what we know as the Memorial Grove. This is the place that um, I'm not sure if Ashav talked about it, but there have been other Tanakh that I've talked about it at this point for sure. Yeah, I think they just call it the Grove. And like yes, the, yeah. it, they just call it the Grove, yeah. Yeah. Not to be confused with the Grove in Plain Song, okay? They're on the dishes. Do you remember that? Like, because it's a... It was that mission. It was that mission oh, where you had to go right. save the guy, and he gives you the the sticky stuff. Right. And they have the, they have they have an area of the dishes they call the grove. Right. So this is gotta, yeah. This is like when we got confused by the uh, what it, what is the sacrifice ring called? But oh, they the had, sun rings. The sun rings. Yeah. When they had two, and we were like, "What? That makes no sense." And we realized, yeah. oh, it's because they have two sun rings. <laughs> Yes, exactly. So yeah, we're not confused. Being don't confuse it with when they say the grove in in plain song. They don't mean this grove. Uh, but um, yeah, this is the place that this is the Tanakh capital. This is where Chief Akaro of uh, rules the entire tribe. Uh, and like I said, it's known as the Memorial Grove or the Grove as they call it. But in the old world, it was a museum, specifically the Mojave Battlefield Memorial Museum, which commemorates the Battle of Mojave, which we're not going to get into right now. We're going to get into that a bit later, and I don't mean this episode. So <laughs> we are gonna, we're definitely going to dive into that at a later time. Um, before they even tell you or you even find out that it's a museum by going into it, right outside the building, there are data points that kind of talk you know, they, they mentioned that it's a museum. Like one talks about the Medina Society for Southwestern History do, do, uh, donating an F-35 Razor Wing, which was used during the high, hot zone crisis by Joint Task Force 10. A lot of words that mean nothing to us right now. All this, we know is that it's a museum. <laughs> this area had such an info dump without anything being explained that like I actually, until looking back at it now, understood like, Nothing like in that very moment, I was reading all of the data points and all of the X, Y and Z's. And I'm like, I have no idea what's going on here. Like, I understand what this was for, but like, it's just like a lot of random info. Yeah, exactly. And that, that's why we're going to come back to mm-hmm. talk about the whole thing later. Once it's kind of all revealed, like in this episode and any other episodes up until that point that may have information on the Grove. We'll mention the relevant stuff for now, but we're definitely going to go back. But there's also a tour script, like an automated, it looks like an automated tour guide. That's what the data point looked like. And it says the museum's exhibits give a broad insight into the hot zone crisis and the tragic battle that took place on those grounds. And one thing of note that it says is that before heading outside, make sure you are properly protected from dust and heat. So, 
I think that means that it, it like you know this that data point is from before the callback era, and I'm not sure if we ever mentioned the callback on this show because they 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 mentioned it I think like a few times in Horizon Zero Dawn is like it's is that the because I can't think of what that is is that when because I know that they were having a um, global climate. climate change yeah crisis yeah. and then they, yeah and they clawed back from they it clawed they back. yeah that's exactly yeah okay yeah so the the clawback period is when Elizabeth Sobeck designed the robots to help mm-hmm. design to help repair uh, damage to the environment and it worked like they like reforested the Amazon. They cleaned out a bunch of oceans. They cleaned out, like, you know, they, they cleaned up the sky and stuff like that. I was going to say, but, like, that also explains why, like, I, won't, I don't want to say it was easy for them to design the robots for Zero Dawn, but they already had them, right? They already right. had robots that could clean water. They already had robots that could plant plants. <laughs> they already had robots that could uh, clean, you know, uh, purify the air in the sky. So. Right now, it was just, it was about more about form over uh, the form factor over function, you know. And correct me if I'm wrong, or you know, take take this out if I'm wrong or whatever, because uh, I don't want to sound stupid. But this is when she was still working for Pharaoh, right before he transitioned, or was this like after? I'm trying because I know that no, he did this... some climate things before he transitioned into. This was the climate thing. Okay. This yeah. was it. Like so I think she was like 22 when yeah. this happened, like when she when she got the when she was in a position to be able to make this happen because the the environmental robots that they made is what made Pharaoh all of its money. That's right. what made Pharaoh rich. That's that's what made Pharaoh rich. So um because before that I think they were made like automated like servitors and stuff like that and they were doing okay, but then Elizabeth you know, joined FAS mm-hmm. and she, she became like lead engineer. I forget the exact position, but it was like lead engineer or something like that. And then they started making these robots and then boom, that's when Pharaoh became probably like the largest company on the planet, I think. Yeah. And then, uh, and then she left. And then she, she right. left when he, when he decided to start making the war robots. Right. That's right. when she, she left. And I mean, honestly, he probably did that because, you know, once the the environment was clean enough, he was like, "Well, how are we going to continue to make money?" Oh, people are always dying, so you know, there's always wars. <laughs> there's to be always fought. wars. Yep. Yeah. So, um, but yeah. So this is, yeah. I think this, you know, the, 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 well, actually, clearly, this event happened before the clawback because there was still a climate crisis going on, and then it had to the point that there was still a climate crisis going on once this museum was up. Mm-hmm. You know. So this is before the the clawback era, but uh, uh, the Memorial Grove is actually on the northern edge of the Rain Trace, which is part of Lowland Clan territory. But it's like positioning is perfect because I mean it's the positioning is perfect because it's a video game. But still, the positioning <laughs> is perfect because it is almost dead, like right in the middle of all the clans, right? Like it's the the the. Lowland Clan capital is Thornmarsh, and that is southwest. The I, I forget the the bulwark. I think is the cat. I, I don't know if the this name of the city is the bulwark. I think, or if the wall is just called the bulwark. I know the but, wall is called the bulwark, so I don't think the city is called that. Or they just call the whole area the bulwark. I don't know. Either way, wherever the Sky Clan commander lives, that's northwest, and then. 
the desert clan is directly to the east of that you know so it's it's a, it's a it's a nice like somewhat centralized location but it was well i mean it wasn't lowland clan territory but we'll find out information about like how like this place was very important to the Tanakh, and they they were always fighting over who controlled it even though i guess the lowland clan is the one that really had uh i guess claim to it if you were respecting their boundaries that's another thing because the, the clans were, were were fighting each other for quite a bit <laughs> so uh but yeah it, it is centrally located but you know we step inside the grove and we meet Decca, who is speaking to a tanakh soldier regala's forces may seem strong now but her machines took out my entire squad remember the visions the old ones didn't choose their fight but still they stood firm they didn't falter, and neither will we. Blood of the Ten, you've come to us. You know who I am? Oh, the warrior with hair like wildfire who defeated Regala's champion at Baron Light. <laughs> yes, you are known to us. I am Decca, chaplain of the Lowland clan. You've come to speak with Chief Hikaro. Not quite. There's... there's something I need here. Anything you need, the Chief will provide. Come. Is that one of the visions you were talking about? Yes. The records of the Ten. I can show you them, if you like. On the way to the Chief. Why does Hikaru want to see me? We are at war with Regal. And you've already shown that you can stand against her. I'm not here to fight a war for you. Not for us. With us. But I won't try to persuade you. That is for the chief. He can be very convincing. Uh, so Decca is the chaplain of the Lowland clan. And I don't know if there's more than one chaplain per clan. If you look at the wiki, there's only three listed, and it's one per clan. Mm. But there, I mean, I don't know if they, I don't know if it's a hard rule that there's only one chaplain per clan. Uh, and she reckon who's recognized who Aloy is, of course, by her hair. Uh, and I'm not sure why Aloy is still surprised by people recognizing her. You know, I, I guess at this point, with like what she's done so far in the story, like yes it's gonna make it to the the capital you know of what you've done like in the beginning of the game yeah i mean i guess you know maybe she it could be that she underestimates like the impact of what she did like you know beating up grudel because we didn't know who he was we just know that he had a shield we wanted and we took it that's what we know about Gruda. true you know <laughs> yeah so but um yeah, because like she's like, oh, that chump, that was your champion, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I mean, she could just not really, uh, fully understand the impact of that. And of course, you know, they do have to make the dialogue like you ran straight from the base to the grove, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, because we you being playing the game the way we have, like, oh, you defeated Gruta's champion, you defeated this guy, you killed that, you know, like we we've heard it so many times uh, at this point, but. So Maybe you did run directly from the base. Go ahead. My question to you is because, like, I kind of did, right? So when she mentions that she's a chaplain, do you say, 
oh, I already met a chaplain because at this point nope. she's the first one I met. So when I met um, Tataka, yeah, he was. Uh, she was like, oh yeah, I met. I know Deka. No, she does not say anything huh. about Jataka. Yeah, she does not say anything about our boy. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, uh, so uh, you know when Deka asks if she's there to speak to Hikaru, Aloy says, eh, "Not really. I'm here for something else." And I'm just like, "You think they're just gonna let you in and poke right. around the capital? Like, you know, like, like you? Like, how could you not expect to have to speak to this guy?" Right. <laughs> She, you know. she takes what she wants, you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's like walking into the White House. Just like walking, like, are you here to see a president? No. No. Nah. I guess I, uh, you know. And so, yeah, it's 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 weird. Uh, but um, Decca, she really, she quickly fixes that expectation and tells her, you know, well, the chief will provide anything you need. <laughs> so we are most definitely uh, talking to the chief. And Aloy, like, she wants to know why Hikaru wants to speak with her. And the obvious answer being that they want help fighting Regala. You know, and everyone seems impressed with Aloy beating Gruta. And then Aloy does her not my war thing. You know, she says, I'm not here to fight a war for you. And Dekka's like, you know, we don't need you to fight a war for us. We need you to fight with us. <laughs> you know, right. A little, little sleight of hand there in the words. Uh, but it, it, you know what? Her doing the not my war thing. Right now, like I, I, I get it a bit more mm-hmm. only because, you know, she has a clear mission and she's on the clock, you know, versus right. where, you know, what was going on in Zero Dawn. And I guess, technically speaking, you can give her the pass there as well. But I guess the main argument is, well, if it's not your war, why are you constantly sticking your nose in people's business? But she's <laughs> that's, still, the, that's the argument. She still does that, though, because she'll pass by someone and hear them arguing. And she's like, what are you arguing about? <laughs> yes, yes. I will say, I don't believe she really did that in the previous game. Like, it, she didn't, like, just walk up to, like, what's the problem here? Like, she's, because that's, like, a quote on more than one quest. Like, hey, what's the problem here? What are you two arguing about? She might have done that with the the uh, Karja and the Osiram fighting about what what item was more valuable. That's the only one. That, that's the exact <laughs> mission that popped into my head. That is the only one. That is the only one. So we you're on the same page. Uh, but yeah, so uh, Decca mentioned something about a vision earlier when she was talking to that other, you know, to other Tanakh. And we see one right in the front hall. And it's essentially, it's, it's just some type of broken or corrupted hologram. And if you try to activate the recording for one of them, you just get like a corrupted speech and missing words. And uh, Decca calls them recordings of the Ten. And she explains later that the Ten are old ones who fought a heroic battle against machines in that area. Which we kind of got from, you know, well, we we, we kind of got it from that uh, data point. Like, mm-hmm. that's what I'm saying. You get information piecemeal over time in this place. And, um, she says there's there used to be more visions, but uh, over time they've disappeared. And uh, she does give us some insight, uh, a bit more insight into the chaplains, because when we spoke to Jetica, oh, sorry, we'll call him Jetica, Jetaka, uh, you know, he just says that they're like advisors for each of the clans. That's what he's like. He's like, we're old and we know what we're doing, so we're advisors, <laughs> essentially, like, is essentially what he he's saying. But, you know, she goes into a bit deeper saying that it's their job to pass down stories and information from generation to generation. And they do this by word of mouth. But they also do this by tattooing themselves 
to help them remember. So her, I know like to not tattoo themselves uh, for deeds, like, you know, mm-hmm. when they do specific deeds. And when it comes to chaplains, not only is it their deeds, but also information that they need to remember so that they can pass down, you know? Right. And I wonder if it gets to a point where there's only so much area on the body. It's like, oh, there's I know something about that. Can you read this thing on my back? Yeah, I was going to say, it's like, (laughs) oh, let me just check my big toe real quick. I have it written there. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, which inner thigh did I put that on? Like, (laughs) hold on a second. Yeah, you know, so not the most effective method, but it works for them. Uh, so, you know, she says that one day the grove may go dark, but the chaplains will keep the memory of live, uh, memory alive. And also, instead of just advising the leaders, Decca says that uh, it's their job to study the visions and also to share the wisdoms with the, the their wisdom with the young. Uh, so it seems like they can help their the younger Tanakh to learn core values and also teach them, you know, how not to rip each other's head off, essentially. <laughs> so, uh, but Aloy does agree to see Hikaru. And uh, as you walk through the grove, Aloy can examine each of the holograms. And they're all distorted and corrupted, like I said. But Decca, she will give you the Tanakh interpretation of what they mean. And there are four of them that you can activate. But three of them seem to have like direct guidance for each of the clans. And the first hologram, she explains, you know, it's, it says a bunch of garbled words. And then she explains that the ten were dedicated soldiers that work together and share their duties. She said that when the time came, they took to the skies and leaped to glory. Still, this doesn't really mean much to us. Uh, and that all Tanakhs try to follow their example. And she says that before, you know, Hakaro became chief, because before Hakaro, they were just the three clans. There was no centralized government there. Uh, and, you know, he says it, it was that was the only thing that the clans had in common, that they, you know, kind of looked up to the ten. Which we've heard that word before. Like anytime yeah. you talk to Tanakh, they're like something, something to ten. May like, the, the ten, ten guide you. you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. May may you strike true like the ten. Something yeah. like that. <laughs> you know, so. But the the second hologram, uh, she says that during the war, the ten climbed sheer rock, braving blinding snow and wind. And she says the visions tell of their courage and strength and their soldier and that, you know, the Tanakh soldiers aspire to it. And she says for that one, the Sky Clan admires that hologram all over, the, you know, above the rest. And she tells you that they claim the mountains to the northwest. So that's the that's the Sky Clan. That's the Sky Clan hologram. All right. The third hologram, she says the ten waged war in the desert heat in a land too harsh for any to survive. Against all odds, they prevailed, and this is what influenced the Desert Clan to live the way they do. And she says, "Oh, you must have passed through their territory on the way there." And it was like, well, yeah, they were a little extreme. And she says they take that as a compliment. And I'm like, okay. So they saw a hologram that talked about a harsh, like how harsh this this harsh battle that the ten had. And they're like, man, I want to be like that. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Let's be as extreme as possible. It's not enough. Got to be more extreme. Like times ten. Yes, it's like, were they like 16-year-olds like when they made this decision? Because that sounds like something a very young person would do. Let's go rough it in the desert when like the jungle that's like lush with resources is like, you know, 50 feet away. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so 
Now, the fourth hologram, she says that the Ten knew how to use the jungle to ambush enemies, and the Lowland clan took inspiration from this, and they claimed the jungle to the southwest. Like, the smartest. They're the smartest ones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, you know, the desert clan is like, oh, that sounds terrible. It also sounds awesome. <laughs> but, uh, you know, but they're like, oh, man, there's cover down here and shade and water. And Great. Water, like, yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, let's go. Uh, so now, let me ask you a question. Did you notice that each of the holograms, as they were distorted, that they flashed the primary colors of each clan? I didn't. Yes, they they do. Now, I'll, I'll admit, I did not notice that the first time. But also, we had only seen the Desert Clan. Like, I didn't see the other clans, right? Right. But the Sky Clan, when I went back to look at the footage, the Sky Clan hologram flashes magenta and white. The Desert Clan hologram flashes uh, yellow and black. And the Lowland Clan uh, one, it flashes like blue and white. Oh. So I wonder if that's where they got their their color schemes from. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that probably is. Okay, sorry. I was like, wait, but they were at war for so long. But like, I my brain just did like a whole spiral. Never mind. I was like, well, how was, did, was. I was like, wait, how did they have those colors if there were three clans, but they were at war for so long? Because for some reason, I was like, oh, they went there after the fact, but they saw the visions like a long time ago. And then they yeah, were exactly like they went there apparently like, you know, clearly as a group, mm-hmm. you know, and they're like, well, we should do like they all had their own ideas of how they should live their lives, I guess, you know, so. I mean, if we're, if we're looking at the migration path, you know, these people went from being Nora to Karja to Utaru, and then they got here and split up even further. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so. Uh, but yeah, as you're exploring the Grove, you'll also run into Nita- uh, Nitaka, I think it is. There's a Nitika. Is the, the, um, the warrior that we met in the Deluge. The one that wanted to be a uh, chief's guard? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's Nataka. And, um, yeah, well, if you did the Deluge side quest, she'll be there. Uh, but she did become a chief's guard. She was hoping that she would run into you. Oh, my goodness. You probably didn't see her there. <laughs> now I'm just thinking about it. Like, um, But I did the Deluge. I have to look at the video. I didn't talk. Did you do the, did you do the Deluge before or after you went to the Grove? I'm like 90% sure I did it before the Grove. Did you? Because you got the armor. Right. Did you like have to actually go talk to her or did it trigger a cutscene? No, you have to talk to her. Like it, one of those little white markers shows up above her head. It shows up when you walk into the Grove. She's in the room that has the second and third hologram. Ooh, I might have just missed her. She's standing in the middle of the room. <laughs> I need to bring up this video. I need to look because I definitely did that. Yeah, I did it right before. That was like the quest that I did right before I got here. Okay, so you did it. Oh, you know what? Maybe you have to have a quest in between. Yeah, maybe. Because that would be weird after everything happened at the deluge. For her to just show up. For her to just show up there. Right, because she needed time to bury Kentok and stuff like that. Right. Yeah, because uh, in my notes, the deluge I did around six hours and 40 minutes, and I'm at the Grove at around hour seven. Okay. 
So I basically went straight there. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So you, in your video, she was, so, so you did do it, but she wasn't there because. You, um, you unless I moved, <laughs> unless I moved my camera around so badly that I just did not see her in the room. She was not there. Okay. Yeah. I mean, but no, it would make sense that she would not be there. Right. Directly after doing the quest because, you know, like you said, uh, you know, she has stuff to do there, but she was definitely, cause I did, the, that was the first quest I did when I moved into Knock Territory, the first side quest anyway. And then I did the entire chain for the Desert Clan and then I went to the Grove. So, but yeah, she is there. She does become a Chief's Guard. Uh, I'm assuming you didn't talk to her later then if you didn't notice her at all. Like, I probably talked to her later because I, I vaguely remember talking to people that had like a, oh, hey, I'm here kind of thing in the Grove. Right. But it probably didn't click as to who she was, so I haven't I haven't seen that in my rewatches at at where I'm at. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, she says that you know because we know that she wanted to become a chief's guard, but after Kentok died, she I think she rethought about it. I thought she I think she was going to stay at Bleeding Mark, but then thought about what he said and how to serve the tribe the best way you can, and this is the best way she could think of. So she still came. And became a Chiefs Guard. So she is there and she will speak to you if you give her enough time to get there. <laughs> I so. didn't. Yeah, but um there is also a Lowland clan um Tanakh name Untala. And she is interested in the black boxes you've been collecting. So as you approach her, she asks if it's true if your focus can hear the voices of the old ones. And she has a black box herself that used to work, but now she says it's just static. And uh, her and some other Tanakh, they took it from an Asaram Delver that was trying to excavate it in Tanakh territory. And it turns out, you find out that they bury Asaram Delvers alive when they catch them. So somebody should probably let Hand to know that. <laughs> because she's like, she's acting like she does not care. She actually she does, does not care. There's another, I forget his name. But there is another salvager in, uh, well, maybe they only mean Delvers, not salvagers. I don't know. But like, um, maybe. I, to, 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 to knock out, they probably no difference to them. You're in our territory. Right, you're in our territory stuff. taking our stuff. Exactly. Uh, so there's another one that's in the Lowland Clan. I forget what he says. There's, there's what he says. He has an excuse for being there as well. So, uh, but they were going to bury the box with the delver and uh she said that's when she heard the voices so aoa is able to fix the recording using her focus and it sounds like a squad getting clearance to engage the pharaoh swarm and Intala. she she's happy to hear it. and she thinks it's the tin and aoa corrects her and tells her that it came from the battle you know a battle of the old ones or i guess enduring victory is where it'll come from one thing that confused me about the dialogue, and I don't know why they would have done this, because you're in the Grove, and you've had the dialogue with Decca already, but she says, I don't know what you mean by the 10. I'm like, what do you mean you don't know what she means by the 10? <laughs> you know, so that's one of the things that's probably just slipped through the crack. I mean, we do have to remember this game did come out. It, it, uh, uh, you know, I would say it was, uh, it would come out in 2022, so two years of it. <laughs> uh, two years of the quality controls in, in, the pan in pandemic, pandemic years. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah, stuff like that, but you give it a little bit of a pass. But it was a little jarring. I'm like, come on, Aloy. <laughs> you, you can do it. Uh, but uh, Antala is interested in learning more about this other battle 
And she said the Delver they buried said there were more recordings and she had a way to find them. This Delver was probably bargaining for their life. Like, oh, I can find more for you. (laughs) And they're like, oh, yeah, great. Thanks. And like they buried her alive anyway. So Uh, and um, and Aloy has like no when they tell when she tells her that they buried the Delvers alive. She has like no reaction to it. She's like, I guess that makes sense. Like (laughs) she she doesn't say anything (laughs) about it. Like, wow, like that's a little harsh, you know. It gave them a chance to say something. That the, the, the life is a Tanaka's heart, you know, or something. Right. But, like, no, they don't, they don't do that. Uh, but uh, clearly, you know, Untala, she wants to trade for boxes. So she says that each battle teaches lessons and they need to learn those lessons and also honor the fallen. So she'll trade black boxes uh, for parts of different rarity. Uh, but there's actually, there's a data point near Untala that, you know, talks about a black box exhibit. And so that exhibit was clearly all the, already in the museum. And it says the exhibit can play any black box with a certain encryption protocol. So the idea is that you bring black boxes there and they can, they can hear them. So my question is, how did Nintala hear the black box without the interface? Unless the person was delving in the grove, which wouldn't make sense. I don't know, man. This some, some things kind of just seem thrown together. This kind of seemed this is one of those, yeah. A little because thrown even together, a- yeah. Even Aloy, she hears the she hears she decrypts them through her focus. That's how she hears the the dialogue through her focus. So, right. how did she hear the black box in the first place? Because I'm pretty sure they didn't bring that interface with them, and then. I guess, how did she figure out to put the black box in the interface? Because they can't read old world glyphs. And I don't know anything about like actual black boxes, but do they have any kind of figures on them or do they actually have to be input into a machine to be able to be listened to? I think you, I mean, I don't think they need to be put into, I don't, this is also me not understanding black boxes fully but i don't believe they have to be put into a specific interface i think they have to be um just hooked up to something that can play audio like i don't think they have speakers, speakers built, into, built them. into them yeah you know so because you don't need if, if a plane goes down you don't need people pulling it out of the beach just to listen to the last like, words ah, like that yeah <laughs> exactly like you, though that stuff is for people who like can actually do something with it like, you right know, you know so um but yeah, so that was a little, a little, yeah, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense as to how she would hurt the black box the first place. Unless there's just something I'm missing or I'm not thinking about, which is totally possible. Wouldn't be the first time on this show that that has happened. <laughs> yeah, we've been corrected many of times. <laughs> yeah, so, um, but there's also a glyph called the Memorial Grove that is one of the shavs that he left behind. And this is the glyph that I was talking about that explains away what we learned about the Tanakh and Horizon Zero Dawn from that Sunstone Rock prisoner, uh, Yulia. Ulia. Did you mm-hmm. see? Did you get this? Did you in your playback? Did you see this uh, glyph? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, because I thought I thought I got it much later. I thought maybe I went back to like Arrowhand or something, and it was there. Because there is a glyph there that in Arrowhand that I know I go back later and get when I visit Arrowhand later. But either way, uh, it turns out that Ulia was speaking of the old ways, right? She wasn't necessarily, it wasn't something that they just completely forgot about and tried to make it seem like that wasn't true in the game. Like Ulia was speaking about the old ways 
and these were practiced during the clan wars. And ever since Hikaru became chief of the tribe, those practices have been outlawed and some still cling to them. And if you can't, I'm sorry, in case you need a reminder of what we're talking about, we're talking about drinking the blood of your enemies and stealing children for your own. Yep. Stealing babies, yes. Uh, because that's what Uya told Aloy is like, if I if I like, I would have stole you as one of my own children. And Aloy is like, okay, drink my blood <laughs> and remember me. Yeah, it's like no thanks, like you know. So, um, yeah. But uh, according to the glyphs, those acts weren't as malicious as they seemed. So the drinking of the enemy's blood was to honor their martial deeds. So by Aloy not drinking her blood, she just totally dissed her. <laughs> you know. That's okay uh, so, with me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she totally dissed it. And also taking orphan orphan children from the conquered settlement was considered a merciful outcome because they were raised as equals in their new clan. So if a clan went and destroyed the settlement of another clan, they would take the children and then, you know, if they were lowland, now they're desert. Or if they're desert, now they're sky clan, you know, and they're treated equally. Uh, so, yeah, that they that's how they explain what you... You know, hear about in in Horizon Zero Dawn. I don't know if they've always had a plan plan that way, you know, or not. <laughs> but because what you know, Ulia's uh, explanation or or present pre- uh, presentation of Tanakh is exactly what the Karja thought it was. Right. So exactly. Yeah. Uh, so in the throne room, there is a glyph that tells you that this room used to be called the Hall of Heroes, and in it, it honors three people it honors roberto medina colonel edward de la hoya and colonel ann faraday and roberto medina financed the campaign against the federal government and its fleet of synthetic battle drones but we don't get information on why there were battle drones there in the first place yet uh de la hoya was the commander of joint task force force 10 and also known in that which is um, this is what they call the 10 joint fat task force 10 is what the uh Tanakh are calling the 10, and they were able to hold off a numerically superior federal force. And Anne Faraday all says is she she oversaw early reconciliation efforts. Uh, so based on what we know so far, this Joint Task Force 10 or JTF 10 fought the federal government and their robot army. That's what we know so far. We'll find out why they were uh fighting a bit later. Well, later, sorry. <laughs> and um once Aloy is ready, she can meet Chief Hikaro. The savior of Meridian. I am told you held back Regala's forces outside Baron Light and defeated her champion, Grutta, in single combat. Impressive. I met Fashav there, too. He said you were a great warrior and a man of honor. His death is a painful loss among many. We will not soon recover from the massacre of our marshals. But if you are here to pledge your service, that could help considerably. I am not here to fight for you. I need something in that basement. Something that will save many lives, yours included. It's not something you can see, but it is there. I have seen it. You have named your price. Now I name mine. With my marshals dead, I need your spear. Help me defeat my enemies, and I will grant you access to the chamber below. I don't have a price. I am not a hired killer. I'm here to save lives, more than you can count. 
I count the corpses of marshals slain. I count hundreds more to knock them, whose lives hang in the balance. I will fight for them. I will kill anyone who threatens the peace, and you will too, if you want me to open the door to the chamber below. Okay, so by that logic, what's stopping me from killing you right now? And taking what I need to save everyone? You could try. You might even succeed. Either way, you must fight. My way might hold off Regala and the slaughter she craves. Fine. What do you need? I need more marshals to keep the tribe together. Such warriors can only be promoted at a trial by combat called the Cool Root. I've sent out a call for the competition. But since Regala seeks to undermine me, she is certain to attack it. She'll want to kill me in front of the assembled clans. So what, you want me to be your bodyguard? No. To defend the cool route. But there is more. Knowing Regala will attack, one of the clans have balked at sending their contestants. You must go north and force Tikote, the commander of the Sky Clan, to submit and send his best. Force him to submit? Do whatever is necessary. I can't hold the cool route with two of the three clans in attendance. Marshal Katala will assist you. He was maimed at Baron Light, but he can still be of use. I sent him ahead to the northern village of Stonecrest. Meet him there, and he will guide you to the Sky Clan stronghold. If you have any questions about your mission, now is the time. Uh, so Decca, she goes behind the throne to get Hikaru, and while Aloy is waiting, she's able to use her focus to determine that there's a chamber underneath the throne, where that's where she's likely going to find Aether. And Decca comes back out with another Tanakh named uh, Katalo, and he's walking pretty fast. He walks pretty fast past Aloy, and he says that he'll see her soon. And you'll remember, like, you might, you may or may not remember Katalo from the embassy. He lost mm-hmm. an arm there. He was a guy, I think it was a Oh, what are those things called? Yeah, bristleback. Okay. Like, yeah, yeah, he, got yeah. his, he got his arm sawed off by a bristleback. Like that whole he that thing. Like it wasn't even sawed off, dude. That ugh. Sorry, I was just thinking about the process of it, like eating his arm, and it's just sticking your arm in a wood chipper. Yeah, essentially, like it wasn't coming back. No. It wasn't they, they oh, were no, they weren't no, piecing no. it back together? So. <laughs> no, no, no. So uh, right after that, a Carl comes out. And, you know, he acknowledges her victory at Baron Light, says it's impressive. And in reply, she brings up Fashav, and he's like, ah, oh, it was a painful loss. And, you know, she, he says that they won't uh, recover from the massacre of the marshals soon. And he says if Aloy's at a pledge of service, it'll be helpful. And then, you know, we, as we know, Aloy's not there to help him, you know, the battle against Regala. So she tells him that she needs to find something, you know, there's something in the basement that can save lots of lives, including theirs. And she's like, well, you may not be able to see it, but it's there. And he interrupts, like, oh, no, I've seen it. He goes, I've seen it. And that kind of takes her back. Like, she's kind of, like, surprised by that. You Does know? Aloy think she's, like, the smartest person in the room <laughs> at, like, all yes. times? At, at any given time. Yes, that <laughs> yeah. is true. That is true. Yes. So, um, <laughs> uh, so you know, he knows what she wants. And he's like, well, he, he tells her what the deal is. He's like, look, if you went into that basement, you got to help me defeat Regala. And well, he says, you know, you have to defeat, help me defeat my enemies. 
And Ayla is like, well, I don't have a price. I'm not a hired killer. And she's there to save lives more than you can count. And he's like, uh, well, I'm counting all the lives of the Tanakh, you know. And he's like, you know, he'll he'll do anything to protect those lives. And he'll kill anyone who threatens the peace. And he says, so will she if she wants into the basement. And then Aloy is like, well, what if I just kill you right now and take what I need? And Hikaru is like, he like he he does feel, you know, in a lot of this, a lot of her interactions, Aloy feels like the superior person in that mm-hmm. conversation. And this is one of the few interactions where she does not. Yes, like because Hikaru talks to her the way he would talk to like a child that he's that says something smart, and he just like says something smarter. You yep. know. Yep. Like, I really, know, like, I. I've liked all the characters so far up to this, but like I it's really easy to have like a character that everybody's always talking about, like, oh, the chief and blah, blah, blah. And then them not live up to expectations and just the way that his like stature and and character and the way he acts like really did live up to expectations. I was really happy he was what he was, essentially. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. So like you know when she when she thre- when she threatens to kill him and take what she needs he's like you know you can try and you might even succeed but either way you got to fight yep. <laughs> you know which is true and she says at least if she fights with him she'll be holding off Regala's you know slaughtering and I guess that reminds reminded her that Regala doesn't just want to take down Hikaru Regala also wants to kill all of the Karja like Regala would kill every Karja if she could right and. That's the thing here, too, is like, I understand where they're both coming from. I understand, like, Aloy is like, oh, this is a bigger thing beyond you guys because, you know, everybody's going to die. But at the same time, like, what's the point of saving everyone if they're already dead anyway because Regala killed everyone? So, exactly. So, yeah, Aloy, she starts to play ball, and Hikaru explains, you know, what he needs from her. And it actually does not involve Aloy fighting a war for him, it does not involve that. Like, all he needs, like, so he doesn't want her to fight Regala. He wants her to help him get more marshals so that he can run the clans and they can fight Regala. Mm-hmm. That's what he wants. So uh, there's some, this is like trial by combat called the Culroot that warriors need to go through to become marshals. And he knows, and so basically because he lost almost, I think, all of his marshals. Like, I don't know, Katala might be his only marshal left, I think. Maybe. I don't know if he has any additional marshals left at this point. There will be more marshals in the game you run across, but I th- I'm pretty sure I think at this point Katala might be his only marshal left. There's very few marshals. Yeah, you know what? I didn't even think about that, but I guess thinking about it, all of the people that I would have assumed were like marshals had different titles. Right, yeah. So they couldn't have been marshals. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he wants to do he called for this trial by combat called the call route which warriors need to go to through to become marshals and he knows that regala will definitely attack that ritual and he wants able to do two things first defend the call route that's what he wants but the second is that he needs her to go north and get the commander of the sky clan to send his contestants because he's refusing to do so because he knows regala is going to attack the ritual and the Sky Clan's capital is protected by what we, that thing we were talking about before, the bulwark, which is a wall. It's the best, I think, he, I think he says it's the best defensible position in Tanakh territory. 
and they have it. So they are basically just going to just sit there and wait it out while Regal and Hikaru fight each other and weaken each other. So the the Sky Clan commander is probably like, I'm gonna let these two fight, and then wh- whoever wins is gonna be weak. Then I'll go become commander. Mm-hmm. You know, it's always the spineless ones that want to become commander. Oh, of course. <laughs> you know? so, yeah. So um, you know, he tells you that Katala will assist you. You you know, which is why he was probably like, I'll catch you later, <laughs> you know. Uh, and Hikaru wants Aloy to go because he says all Tanakh respects strength and she has proven strong. And he says Katalo can't do it on his own because they won't respect him because he lost an arm. Mm-hmm. You know, that goes into the whole respecting strength then. And Aloy's like, well, that's not fair. He's like, how fair is it to lose an arm? Touche. <laughs> you know, <laughs> You know, so, but, uh, yeah, that he, he essentially lays down his, his terms and that's what he, he wants us to do. But you, you know, you can also ask additional questions after the fact. It's one of those, uh, dialogues and you can ask about Regala being Hikaru's greatest mistake. And at first he doesn't really want to talk about it. Right. Uh, but then he explains things that we've already been told that, you know, Regala wanted Hikaru to push into, into Karo's territory to get revenge for the Red Raids. He does say that she lost two brothers to the Red Raids. I don't know if we got that information before. I can't remember if somebody told us that she lost two brothers. I don't think so, because when I was rewatching the video, I was like, oh, okay." Like, I think I learned that information then and totally forgot about it because I don't think they brought it up before this or then ever again. Right. Yeah. Because I don't even think. Because, I mean, there may be, an depending on what happens, there may be an opportunity for you to speak to her later. And I don't even think she brings it up then, that she lost family. Mm-mm. But we'll, we'll find out. And, we'll find and out like, a, like, he's like, yeah, he, he they burned them. So, like, it, kind of brutal, too. It wasn't just like, a, oh, they got shot or anything. Yeah, it wasn't like they were just fighting in the Red Raids and died. Yeah. They, like, yeah, they were burned. So, it was brutal. Uh, and so, she, you know, he believes, well, she believes that, you know, Hikaru is a traitor for accepting a botched treaty and challenged him. And then she lost and she took that as humiliation. And now she wants him dead and wants control of the clan so she could take on the Karja. But, I mean, he makes a good point that, you know, she's like, she's just running on pure rage, right? Like, she doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, she doesn't understand the cost of a war like that against the Karja. You know, it's right. one thing when they're, when they are, on the fringes of their territory, pushing into your territory versus you pushing into their capital, <laughs> you know, right? That's a that's a that's a totally different that's a that's a that's a different battle. Yeah, <laughs> you know. And I think we talked about this. It was probably last episode, but like even with the machines, like they they already tried that. Like it's not going to happen. And it was with more machines. And more people and not even weakened people. Because if they're traveling all the way from where they are now, all the way to Meridian with a lesser even crew, because they would have to then defeat Hokaro, which they're going to lose people doing so, you know, like it's already going to be a small crew, they're going to be weakened. And then like, it's not going to work out. But she's not going to, she's not thinking about that. Yeah, plus I, I wonder how much she knows about the Karja lands, right? Like, you know, not you have to get through the Daunt and over the mountains of the Daunt, but then you got to get past Sunfall, 
And then mm-hmm. you also have to make it to the actual. Does she know that it sits on top of a mesa? Like I was gonna <laughs> say, a meridian has like the the high ground, the advantage in that situation. Exactly. Like she's just so much she doesn't really know. And on top of that, like you know, we talked about it before. The machines that they brought for the Battle Meridian were way more dangerous. They didn't have cute yep. names like Bristlebacks and Clawstriders. <laughs> they were called Deathbringers. Right. <laughs> you know, um, Deathbringers and Metal Devils. <laughs> so, yeah, like they, like they tried with much, much, uh, much more powerful machines, like mm-hmm. machines that were built to destroy and kill in our world, you know, in the old world. Yeah. And they weren't able to do it. So, like, yeah, she's right. I am I'm, I'm pretty. Even if she fought, um, not Avad and the Asaram, but even the old, like j- just the Karja, she probably mm-hmm. would have lost. She, they probably would have lost that fight, you know. But also the Vanguard. Well, that's what I'm saying, the Vanguard yeah. didn't exist until. Oh, oh, you're yeah, saying that's what, so, like so that's what I'm saying. Even if even if the Mad Sun right. King was still there, and they don't have the Vanguard, they don't have their weaponry, they just have. The you know Meridian and then the rest of the Karja guard, mm-hmm. you know, because you gotta remember the Karja like they weren't terrible at fighting. Like they did push into the Norlands, they pushed into Banuclands, they pushed into Osram territory. You know, so yeah, like they got it. They they made it into Plain Song, even though like yeah, we already know about the Otaro strategy of just die, <laughs> <laughs> right? You know, so that doesn't say much, but still. You know, so, yeah, like, and I think it, it's still kind of, you, you, this is your first encounter with Hikaru in person mm-hmm. and, you know, versus what people are saying about him. Oh, he's wise and smart and, you know, you're actually seeing it because he understands like, okay, we got them out of our territory. They're not, they're nowhere near our territory. Like they, they, like they didn't just push them out of Tanakh territory or Tar territory. They didn't just push them out of no man's land they pushed them out of the daunt mm-hmm. like you, you know period so they pushed them out it's like they are of no danger to us and he's like that's fine and then he was also smart enough to be like okay now they want peace let's do peace <laughs> you know uh and there's a bit more revealed on why i maybe well so we'll get into it but there's a bit more revealed about why he like his train of thought and how he got it uh, one thing he does explain is that he didn't kill her because her, he says, you know, he had a connection to her. Like her loyalty was as boundless as her rage is what he said. So that's why he didn't kill her. But like, like I said, he, he she took it the wrong way. She didn't take it. <laughs> she was like, oh, this is this is what an insult. You're not going to cut my head off. Oh, my goodness. Right. Embarrassing. Yeah, so. Embarrassing. <laughs> so but you can ask about the call route. And he says that, uh, you know, now the clans, they've banded together to fight the machines. The culvert is his law made manifest. That's his law, that they all band together and they fight the machines. And each clan must send contestants whenever he calls for the ritual. And they face trial by combat in an arena just outside the grove. And those who distinguish themselves become marshals and act as peacekeepers. And those peacekeepers, they denounce their clan and uphold. I, I, I wrote, I'm going to say my mistake right now. I, in my notes, I wrote upload a Carl's <laughs> Law. <laughs> That's the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, they upload Hakaro's law, but they you know they uh they enforce Hakaro's law 
and they settle disputes among Tanakh, and they also parlay with other tribes, and also known as the Embassy. You know, um, so you do talk about Fashav, and I think like Fashav was a, is definitely a bigger loss than uh, we gave it credit for, mm-hmm. right? Because it was like, man, what a throwaway character. you know uh but you know learn that carl was hoping that fashav would be his voice in meridian and also that they'd have a chance to learn from the karja which would be important like fashav would have to kind of let them like you know i wasn't calling them meridians but (laughs) the the, the karja know (laughs) you'd have to let the karja know that like look they're not as bad as they say they are because you, you just gotta think about how you know uh Vuadi is it Vuadis like the the, uh, the guy from the yeah Uadis how do you pronounce his name he's yeah, dead just, now it's, so it doesn't Vuadis yeah Vuadis yes like how scared he was just to go outside <laughs> and you know how the other Karja like were like sweating bullets when the Tanakh came around like you yeah. know they have this view of the Karja of the Tanakh so you know Fashav living in you know being able to communicate with them like look you know as long as you're respectful. They're not that bad. You know what I'm saying? You know, so that would have been nice. But he wants to learn from the Karja. And maybe they would have been more willing to trade information, you know, and and things like that. Uh, Because he he does mention specifically that he wanted to learn how to write. Mm -hmm. Not him personally, but he wanted, I guess, his people to learn, the clan to learn how to write. Yeah, the clans to learn how to write. Because he says all their deeds are written on their bodies and they die with their flesh. Which is like we were saying, like, hey, can you read this thing on my on my shoulder blade? Like, you know. <laughs> and also all of the things that are written on their bodies, like it's not like actual words, it's like shapes it's like and stuff, right? Symbols and stuff like that. Yeah. Right. So so he was like, Yeah, you know, all the cards of deeds, like they're never forgotten because they're written in scroll, you know. Scroll and book, he said. So he definitely wants to. He's smart. Like he's like that's that's a more effective way to mm-hmm. <laughs> to uh, to learn how to uh, oh to, to 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 write your history essentially. Yep. Actually, writing it on to, something instead of a person. pass on knowledge. Just period, because it, it could just you know not just be history, but I mean you see all of the things that we use reading and writing for all day. Oh yeah, every like day. sending sending messages and stuff like that. Right. Yeah, so that way you don't have to play like whisper down the lane when you're like telling someone like, oh, go to this clan and tell them X, Y, and Z, and then they tell them like, oh, I want bread rolls instead of muffins. Right, because that's yeah. what they're trading. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but you can also ask Akaro about what he saw in the basement. You said you saw what's in the basement. I did, on the day of my greatest victory. What do you mean? For a dozen generations, the three clans battled for control of this hallowed ground. Only I achieved it. I fought for years, killed whoever stood in my way. When I had finally slain all rivals, I stood alone in the grove. Victory was mine to savor, or so I thought. Thunder roared from the east, and a bolt of blue struck this place that chamber. Gaia dies and Aether arrives. All around me the visions of the grove grew louder and brighter and suddenly a new one appeared before me. The old one spoke and what they said changed everything. 
What did the Old Ones say to you in this new vision? The one called Faraday foretold the growing danger of the machines and said we must unify to stop them. She called for marshals to enforce the peace. Then the vision faded, never to be seen again. I marked the spot where it shone with my spear, and I took Faraday's words to heart. Renounced war between the clans, trained warriors to fight machines, ordained marshals through the cool route. Since then, the tribe has been at peace, until Regala attacked at Baron Light. And the chamber beneath the throne. You went in after the vision? I did. Inside is an ancient device. It hums with power. You will see it for yourself after the cool route. This I swear. Yeah, so I said in a previous episode that the Grove was always the seat of power for the three clans. And I was definitely a bit wrong on that. I knew that they fought over it a lot. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was because that's where like whoever had control of the Grove was considered the, the dominant clan. But it turns out Hakara was the only leader that managed to take the Grove. He was the first one. So the clans constantly fought over it. And he was the only one. And the day that he seized it, coincidentally, was also the day that Gaia Prime exploded. And he said he heard thunder and a blue light hit the grove. And, you know, stuff starts happening. Now, before I continue, he said, you know, he said he heard thunder, which was the explosion, right? Mm -hmm. The grove is far from Gaia Prime. And if he heard it explode, why does no one else except Silence ever mention that? Silence is the only person that talked about that. Like when he was mentioning um, how he, I think how he found his workshop. Cause he, he does mention that there was like a, like an explosion and an earthquake and the Asaram tried to get up to the explosion, but they couldn't because the machines basically started protecting Gaia prime. Right. And, but he found a way up there. That's the short version of what he says. Well, maybe everyone just chalked it up to thunder. They didn't understand. I can't believe that because if Hikaru <laughs> heard it as thunder, it's right there next to Meridian, basically. Yeah. It's, and it's actually, you know where it's even closer to? The claim. It's right between, like, like it sits like the claim. It would have rocked the claim. It would have rocked Banner. Because the claim and banner are, are, are like we've never seen though, but they're seen them, but they're apparently like right, right next, next to each other. To each other, yeah, they're like right next to each other. It would have rocked the cut, well, I, <laughs> you know. I wonder if I wonder if the thunder that he heard wasn't. Well, I guess he heard the thunder and then it got hit, right? Yeah, yeah, it roared from the east. So maybe, but maybe it was like making noises as well. Like, if it's traveling that fast, maybe it made, like, a ripple of, like, a thundering noise. And that's why maybe he didn't hear the explosion, but it was, like, the noise of... Of Aether coming <laughs> in. Like. Yeah. <laughs> Screaming on his way down. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, because Aether, like, essentially was just a signal, right? I mean, right. it was just, like, a like a, like a signal that, that went into a processing core. So that's something like the explosion had to be Gaia Prime. Like it had like an explosion that loud that Hikaru would have heard his thunder would have been absolutely deafening to everybody else in the area, which is Meridian. That's 
the claim, it's been, or even the Nora would have been like, oh my goodness, is the metal devil waking up? (laughs) (laughs) You know? And then on top of that, that, like, I don't want to say immediately after that, but close to, like, you know, that happening, that's when the derangement happens. You can't put one and one together, you know? Right. Like, there's no, nobody's making that connection here. Well, okay. I feel like it had to have made noise because like if a bolt, so he says like he heard the noise and then a bolt of blue struck this place. Right. So it was blue light. Yeah. Yeah. So like it was physical. It wasn't just like data being transferred or anything. There was like a physical thing moving. Right. Well, we've seen like how their signals move. That's like we've seen Hades move. Right. That's true. You know? That's true. So I think it was from the bolts of Aether. <laughs> <laughs> the bolt of Aether? <laughs> yeah. Is <laughs> what that thunder was. I think that makes more sense than like an explosion being that loud. I don't know. Like, I don't know of any signal, like, you know, because thunder makes noise for a reason. You know, it's a very physical thing. <laughs> Aether is just riding on frequencies. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he does, uh, it does hit. The location. Yeah, well, he says a blue. Uh, he says that a blue light hit the location, like you know, the same way I would imagine a- Hades hitting his. Because we've seen Hades, you know, move from one at the end of Zero Dawn, move from one object to another. You know, right? And but it's not, it was like it's not that was, violent. He was he was kind of sucked out. This was an explosion, so they went like flying. They were like fleeing, and whoosh. Well, no, because remember they they escaped before the explosion because they like well, they got free and they, we had the whole hologram show when it happened. Like, remember they they were already out. <laughs> well, then because it, it wouldn't have the, been the explosion. Wait, did they leave like right when they got free? They left because think about it. If the explosion, the point of the explosion was to destroy them, specifically Hades. Right. The point of the explosion was to destroy them. So they had, they were already out by the time the explosion happened. So, so they didn't happen at the same time. So then it wouldn't have been the explosion noises that he heard anyway. Then, no, like they, like so the signal. Okay, the signal hits <laughs> Gaia, right? Okay, the subordinate functions come to life. They all start escaping. Gaia panics, needs to kill Hades. Well, actually, no. That's the thing. The, if the subordinate, actually, so I'm even thinking about it wrong. Like the subordinate function starts to escape. Hades tries to take over Gaia. Gaia sets off the like sets the right. uh, the self detonation. Then Hades escapes. So Hades is one of the last to escape. That means all the other ones were free at that point. They had already escaped. So that's what I'm saying. Like unless it was so that's what I'm saying. Like, in he the didn't... same few minutes. It is within the same few oh, okay, minutes. Then. <laughs> We're talking about computer time here. Uh, We're also talking true. about something that never happened. Right, <laughs> right, right. right. <laughs> All the technicalities on all the technicalities. Aether bolts. That's what I'm saying. Like he didn't get <laughs> shot out of guy because of the explosion. He had already the, the, the subordinate functions had already escaped. I think if the subordinate functions just tried to escape, she wouldn't have set off the uh the um the detonator she wouldn't have right. destroyed Gaia Prime because the purpose of destroying Gaia Prime was so that Hades would not get control of the terraforming system. But that's what he was trying to do. Hades was trying to take the terraforming system from her and so she was like, oh no you don't 
And she was like, oh, you know, we're all going to die. And they're like, <laughs> okay, peace. <laughs> you know, they, they, they left and went to the nearest. Well, actually there, there is a, um, there's a logical reason they pick the places that they pick. There's actually a lot. Of, and actually, I'm pretty sure Hades says something about that, but it's like data corrupted, like that whole thing. Right, right. Yeah, it was like data corrupted. There's a logical explanation why they picked each of the places that they picked. Uh, but yeah, so that's what I'm saying. I'm pretty sure that explosion, like that's the thunder he heard. But I, I'm not. That's what I'm saying. Like that had to be absolutely massive and nobody talks about it except silence. Everybody's like, oh man, that was loud. That was weird. <laughs> it just goes <laughs> because if it was, if, if your theory is correct, which you know I think mine is pretty sound, but whatever, <laughs> uh, <laughs> get uh-huh. it sound. Um, <laughs> because that explosion wouldn't just be so loud. You're right; it would rock everything. It would destroy things, and like especially in the cut, like that would cause avalanches. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I feel like I want- that would cause a massive avalanche to the point of people even 20 years later talking about like oh man that avalanche in 06 that's what i'm saying that's what i'm saying like nobody really talks about i wonder if there's a gorilla dev listening to this like why are you guys thinking about this so much we didn't even think about this so much like it's our job like you were busy making the game we have nothing else to do exactly theorize (laughs) (laughs) you know but yeah that's what i'm saying like it, it, it like it would have been an easy thing to kind of connect like even before you found out about Gaia Prime and stuff like that right you could have been like you could have heard stories about like you know the the derangement happened there was a loud crackle through the sky and the earth shook that would have been that would have been prime Nora storytelling oh yeah you know like it was it was the ghost of the metal devil like you know what I'm saying like that's what the other tribes disobeying the teachings made disobeying all mother yeah and their their disobedience is 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 powering up another metal devil somewhere we're preparing for the battle you know some real like it's (laughs) prime nora stuff (laughs) exactly like some prime nora teachings the banuka like oh it's time for war (laughs) exactly like it, it could have been something different for every single clan the banuka just like thriving like yeah prevail and survive (laughs) (laughs) exactly you know like it was a test like you know (laughs) right Uh, you know so everybody except the osram the osram would have been the most logical about it like man that was a big explosion we need to find out where it came from like you know (laughs) let's go get some scrap (laughs) (laughs) and that's what and that's the thing they tried to do that yeah they tried to do and they couldn't get up there because the uh the when the machines started guarding it so yeah like i'm surprised that they really didn't kind of tie that in but like i said they probably just didn't really think about it all all that much they didn't write the dialogue for this game when that when they decided to make that happen yeah yeah uh but yeah so when the blue light hit, which, you know, that's if that's Aether coming into that chamber or processing unit, whatever's down there, he says a new vision showed up and guided him on how the clan should be led, which is essentially stop the clan wars, band together and fight the machines, and that Marshall should enforce the peace. That's where, so that's like Hakaro's idea to pull, pull all the clans together wasn't just his, like, you know, 
natural like inclination that mm-hmm. wasn't his goal from the start he fought through all the other clans fought through killed all of his enemies and he defeated everybody he needed to defeat to claim victory at the grove and i'm assuming claim the grove for the lowland clan that's what he was doing you know and then it just so happened that the day that he did it soon after he did it Gaia Prime explodes, and then he sees his vision, which he says turned on, and then it turned off. He never saw it again, but it, 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 he took instruction from it, you know? So I do wonder that, well, first of all, I'll say I do wonder that if he never saw this, if he never saw this vision, would he have, because uh, this, yeah, this, this happened before the Red Raids, so would he mm-hmm. have been as, like, uh, lenient? Like, he maybe he would have been not leaning, I should say, as level-headed, right? Maybe he would have continued to push Nakarta territory to take them down. Right. Because the problem is, in peaceful times, there's always going to be people that want to fight, that want a war. And that's the nature of the Tanakhs. You know, they just, they prove themselves through strength. Right, exactly. Like, I do think, the like, you know, even if, like, you know, he doesn't see this. The red raids are probably enough to make the Tanakh clans fight together mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, they are Tanakh. So, um, he probably, that would have probably brought the clans together and they probably would have tried to push further into Karja territory and kill the Karja. But because of this directive to fight against the machines, you know, he's like, it's the, that's not the main battle. You know, the main battle is fighting against the machine. So, you know, Aether saved the Karja, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or the or Aether saved the Tanakh, depending on how far they got, you know. <laughs> you That's know, depending true. on how far they got. They, they, well, yeah. to be fair, I think he, the Aether saved the Tanakh and the Utaro, right? With, like, that really bad trade they had going on. The Tanakh, they were just, like, killing each other. That is very, yes, that is, that is very true. <laughs> so... Uh, but yeah, so Aloy, she does agree to help Hikaru, and he tells her to speak to Deck on her way out. There are three data points near the throne, but so we're going to come back to that because each of those is like an exhibit of one of those three people that we talked about. Uh, and uh, when you speak to Decca, she gives you a cleaving sharp shot bow. This, I wonder if this is my first sharp shot bow, or just the first good one I had, because I do remember using it. Uh, but she she gives you that sharp shot bow and then gives you a uh, directions to the Skyland to the Sky Clan. I was a Skyland. The Skyland Clan. The Sky Clan, and she's like, "Gotta be careful. There's machines and bandits along the way." I'm like, "You mean like they've been on the way this no. entire game? <laughs> machines and bandits? Oh no!" So yeah, but that um, it doesn't end the quest. Obviously, this is a this is a kind of a long main quest. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if it's one of the longest main quest because I, at least it felt long for me because once you leave here and you go up north that's a whole nother area to explore when right. you go south if you were to go south to poseidon everything's in that area you stay there when right. you go further west to get uh demeter like everything is in that area everything is there but this one you got to go up and it takes you to a whole new area and yeah, there's just stuff there. So, but I think the biggest difference for this one compared to those ones is this one. They definitely intend you to do this one first, even though they give you the option. I guess I'm not mad that they gave you the option. I just feel like it's like slightly pointless because, like, 
why would you go to the other ones first? But anyway, this is where you go to the Grove and you like meet Hakar. You know, like they they want you to get all of this information before you go to the next point. Whereas all of the other places is just focusing on that one point. They're not focusing at all on like not learning this knock and the history and and giving you all of this info dump. Yeah, that is very true. Like the other areas are very much about what's going on right there. Yeah. And this one, you learn so much about the Tanakh, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, the, the pleasure of meeting Hikaru, you know, because it's, it's cool. He is a cool He's a character. He does character. look like his voice actor. He does. I, I oh, looked yeah. up his voice actor. Yeah, he does look like a, he does look like his voice actor. So who has actually been in he was in um, uh, I think like one other game. He does like a couple animated things and like one other game. He's in Lawbreakers. That failed experiment yeah i don't even remember that so (laughs) that was cliffy b's like that came out like i don't know like a year after overwatch this is like another hero shooter i it wasn't actually bad it was not a bad game i actually did enjoy it but nobody was really playing it it was like more of an arena shooter style of of hero shooter so Mm. not quite quake champions but not quite overwatch um but yeah so with that we are I think we're 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 done with this with this episode. Uh Christina, like what what are you thinking right now? Like I said earlier, this I was just really excited to meet Hikaru. He's one of the most memorable characters. There's so many memorable characters in this game, but like Hikaru is definitely up there. I think he's probably one of my favorite. I can't say my favorite cuz like we all have a specific favorite to Noth, but we'll talk about them later. Right. But he's definitely up there along my favorites and I really like the dynamic between what the Tanakh interpret interpret I can't say that word right now sorry the information that they get from like the 10 and like all of this stuff to like what Aloy knows and it actually is I like to see the dynamic between what people think information is and how they you know take it in in what Aloy sees and like what it actually is so I, right. I always like to see that dynamic. Yeah, I, I would say I, would de- I was definitely very pleased with Hikaru because, like, he was everything and then more that they said he was going to be. Mm-hmm. And actually, you know, as, like, as like cool as Regala looks and as, like, um, dangerous as she looks, mm-hmm. you know, they said Hikaru defeated her and they had to make him look like he could. And he does. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, I see why he won that fight. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, because Regala is no joke, you mm-hmm. know, and yeah, he is no double no joke, you know, so right, which is why when Aloy, and it, it just makes it even seem even more silly when Aloy is like, Well, why don't I just kill you right now? Right, like, like, bro, this isn't Helis, <laughs> like, you know, Helis was very, um, like he was just certain he was gonna win everything because he was the chosen of the sun. How could I lose? Of course, how could I lose? I am the chosen of the sun. I don't yeah, this sleep dude on fancy beds, they make me too soft, exactly. <laughs> like, uh, those drapes, they make me mad. Like, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, like, you know, Hikaru like seems much more capable. I also you know, like how he is he is a peacekeeper like that's what he does not want an active war he wants to make because he wants everybody to thrive right but that doesn't make him any less of a i guess capable like strong kind of person because you can see it in like 
his history and how he speaks and like the value that he has with like strength period because Aloy makes a comment of like oh well these guys that you the marshals aren't just peacekeepers like they fight too like yeah like he trains them to do that they have to have this whole battle in order to do that you know so his peacefulness doesn't take away from his like coolness isn't what i'm trying to say but you you get <laughs> i think you get what i mean no no i i totally get what you mean and it's a good balance I don't know, just yeah, and you can always tell, like, I mean, because up until this point, I mean, he's the, uh, out of all of the leaders you meet in the game, I feel like he might be, like, I mean, like, leaders of large groups. He might be mm-hmm. the second one that uh, Aloy has not talked down to. Aloy talks down to everybody. And I, the first person I will say is Aratok. I don't think she's ever talked down to Aratok. I don't remember her talking down to Aratok. I was thinking of Vod. Has she she talking down to a? Oh yeah, she talks down to a Vod. Does like, she? <laughs> yeah, like yeah, she like she doesn't take a Vod seriously. Like you know, I, I mean, I, I, I don't yeah. take a Vod seriously, so maybe that's <laughs> that's why I was like, yeah, she's. Like, in the, I mean, maybe she doesn't talk down to Avad, but Avad keeps trying to get in her pants. Yeah, so it's that's like, true. It's like, yeah, he, yeah, he's just like, whatever you like, you know. That's the thing. Like, so maybe she doesn't have to talk to him because he's, like, whipped. But, like, um, <laughs> you know, everybody else, like, you know, the um, the matriarchs. Um, oh, yeah. You know, the, like I said, she didn't talk down to Aratak. Um, she, you know... Obviously, talk well. I guess like he doesn't count because he's he he's purposefully right. made to like be like a dick. But uh, I think what it um, is is she doesn't appreciate authority. I guess like I guess you could say that unless there's a reason for it and that they prove their worth. Like you have to prove your worth right. to Aloy in order for you to gain her respect. Like she doesn't care who you are. Your deeds like outweigh your position. Right, true. But even when she tried to, like, you know, I don't want to say talk down to him, but, like, buck up against him, like, she just he just totally shut her down yeah. without raising his voice. Yeah. You know? So it kind of just really shows how powerful of a leader he, like, is, you know? Uh, so, yeah, he's... He, he, yeah, putting him in the game, I think, was it was great. That was really cool. And hopefully he's one of the... In the next game, he's one of the people that show up. <laughs> you know? I hope so. And like show yeah. up, show up, not like a oh I'm a babysitter now for the prince. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Like you know you don't get like that two seconds of of him. Like he actually shows up, but then it's kind of hard. Like especially if they do a different region, mm-hmm. it's hard for them to move the major leaders because they need to stay where they are. Right. So, but um, yeah, but yeah in the next episode we are actually gonna head up north to the bulwark actually we're not gonna go straight to the bulwark we have to meet katalo in another like area of the sky of the sky clan and we're gonna meet him there and then we're gonna head over to the bulwark but that's what we're gonna do in the next episode the way we're gonna handle this is we're gonna go straight through the main quest and go all the way through it and then we'll start we'll cut we'll kind of circle back around we'll talk about you know joint task force 10 and that you know what happened in the battle of mojave We'll talk about the area that the Sky Clan lives in. We'll do all that after the fact. But you know, we've been we've been doing we've been side questing for a while here. So <laughs> we just want to get through some more main quests for now. And uh yeah, that's that's what we're gonna do. But uh with that, we'll go ahead and close up here. Thank you guys for listening. 
Uh, if you want to keep up with what's going on with the, this show and the rest of the network, you can do so by following us at twitter.com slash the mash network. Uh, Christina, where can they find you? You can find me at s'mores pop tart on Twitter and Twitch. I've been streaming on Twitch like almost every day this month, which my schedule will change later, but like I'm, I'm there pretty often. And I'm also a host on another podcast called Wonders Tales, where we talk about Final Fantasy 14 content. Yes, and they just hit 100 episodes. Oh, yeah, we did. Woo! Yeah, she did hit 100 episodes. Congratulations. Thank you. And, and you can find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Josh Thomas. I was going to say the Mash Network, but that's not <laughs> where I usually tweet. Uh, you can also find me streaming some time on our Twitch channel at twitch.tv slash mash those buttons. And uh, we'd love to have you join the community, like I said before. So you could join us at mesh.gg slash discord. Uh, we'd love to hear what you have to say about the show, the game. You know, we want you to contact us with your comments and questions. So, you know, you could do that, that on Discord or reach out on Twitter, or you can just email us at contact.mash.gg. Uh, if you want to help us out, one of the best ways to do that is to share the show with others and to rate and review on your favorite podcast platform of choice. And if you want to take your support a bit further, you can do so at mtb.gg support. And you can see all the different ways you can support Mash Those Buttons there. Uh, one being Patreon, where tiers start at $2 a month, I believe, uh, for general support. Uh, there's merch at match.gg, which is our, our Teespring store, or just Spring now. They're all cool and stuff. You know, it's, it's just called Spring, not Teespring oh, anymore. Oh, fancy. Uh, but we, yeah, we, we do have a merch store there. Um, we You can't get, uh, you know, there are also a Twitch sub at uh, twitch.tv slash match those buttons. Or you can also use our Humble Bundle affiliate links where you can buy games from the Humble store uh, for your favorite, you know, launcher, whether it be Steam, Epic Game Store, you play. Uh, or you can just uh, shoot us a one-time PayPal donation if you want to. So I encourage you guys to stay tuned after the show to hear more about Mash's Buttons. And with that, we are done for the evening. Uh, you guys have a good day or night whenever you listen to this. <laughs> See ya. Thanks for listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. If you enjoyed the show, you should check out MashThoseButtons.com and see if any of our other shows might interest you. All of our shows are available on your podcast platform of choice like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. If you enjoy our content, you can help support Mash Those Buttons by becoming a patron at Patreon.com slash MashThoseButtons, where you can receive Patreon bonuses for as little as $1 a month. You can connect with Mash Those Buttons at twitter.com slash the Mash Network, facebook.com slash Mash Those Buttons, or join our Discord at mash.gg slash Discord. 